0: bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by the new voice-activated sync featuring hands-free calling, music and podcast search, and turn-by-turn navigation. Available exclusively on Ford, Lincoln, and Mercury vehicles. For more details, visit SyncMyRide.com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. For a free trial and 10% off your new account, go to squarespace.com slash twip.
1: This week on TWIP, a discussion on Haiti from a photographer's perspective, a Photography 101 lesson, and an interview with lifestyle photographer Michael Corson All that and more on episode number 125 of This Week in Photography. Welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photography. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. I'm here with, uh, what's your name, Alex? What's your last name? <laughs> 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 you one of those you shows. can't pull it off. I'm sorry. Off. What is your name, Alex? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. If you're here, raise your hand.
0: <laughs> I'm here.
1: Alex Lindsay. I'm here. Welcome back to the show.
0: Yeah. I heard, I heard you had a rough, rough drive.
1: I had a, a it was rough, but it was exciting. You know, as anyone will tell you, I like driving in puddles, and the, the, road, I, the roads were full of puddles today. You I'll know? tell you, I
0: made it. I made it all the way here from eight blocks away. Did
1: you? You know, yeah, I gotta, I gotta hard. apologize to a certain Prius driver that was, that was slightly behind me and to the right as a big puddle came up because I just kind of wow. doused it. Also uh, coming to us is Mr. Steve Simon. Hey, Steve Simon,
2: gentlemen, gentlemen, nice to. See you. Hey, That's you're you're
1: fresh from uh, taking some photos up north somewhere. Somewhere, tell us about that.
2: I was, yeah, I was in my home country of Canada, and uh, I did my second gig of following the Olympic torch as it winds its way across the entire huge country of Canada, which is geographically bigger than the United States, on its way to Vancouver for the <laughs> on its way to Vancouver for the Olympics. So it was. I got to tell you, you know, I, I've often said that volume, volume, volume is is the best way to um, learn as a photographer, and this has been that kind of experience because um, in every little city that we wake up in, we start early in the morning and we're shooting all day, and then we're editing and filing at night. And for me, it's just a a great refresher to be out there shooting again and shooting in such quantity and making mistakes and learning from them and figuring things out. So, you know, if you can find something that allows you to be intensely shooting for a period of time, it uh, even when you're seasoned pros like Alex and Fred, it's still going to help you out. Plus, it was like minus 35 in Winnipeg when I arrived. So... You know, my hands are like clubs, and I'm having to kind of figure out how to, you know, work the controls of the camera. But now, Steve, what, weather... what
1: were you shooting with out there? What was, you know, presumably you had to be really mobile to get the right shot and have all the right stuff with you to get that shot. What's the uh, what's the sort of nucleus of gear you had with you at all times?
2: Well, I, I I went sort of by my bread and butter butter standby system. I had that camera slingers. Um, Double camera strap, which, as you know, I love because it allows me to quickly grab either side of the of my body to grab either my uh, D three with seventy to two hundred mm-hmm. or the D three with twenty four to seventy. And those zooms, I mean, it it makes sense to have the zoom because you know depending where I am, and I'm I'm often having to run with the torch bearer, and uh, so I generally, if I'm going to run with the torch bearer, I choose. Older torch bearers, so I can keep up with them. Because <laughs> sometimes, you know, they change. So, every there's a, 300 so there's a
0: lot of there's a lot of pictures of, of old. You have, you have a lot of photos of older guys, not so many of <laughs> the young guys. Walker with the to- torch. Exactly.
2: Holder. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, the fact is that you know there's 13,000 Canadians that have the honor of carrying this torch at some point. They only have to to work 300 meters at a time. Uh, sometimes I'm in the media one van, which is ahead of the torch. So if I step out of the van and run with the torch bearer to get pictures, I have to get back to that van, and th- it's not going to wait for me. And if 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 I don't keep keep up with it, it's just going to continue on its way. So there have been a couple of times when, and I've I've lost weight. I don't know if you can tell, but it's only been eight days. I I've I've lost a little weight because of the exercise regime. But nice. it's it was it was a really great experience on many levels, photographically kind of inspirational because, you know, whole towns show up to support the Olympic movement and the Olympic flame. And it's a challenge because, you know, you have to make new and different pictures all the time. So it was uh, it, it was pretty good. The 24 to 70, I can really maneuver around a bit, um, 70 to 200. But occasionally, I'll put a fixed lens on and, and work it. And it's a, maybe a little more challenging at those times. But, I've, you know, when you're covering something like this, you have all day and you have many different opportunities. So if things don't work out, uh, you have the next runner to. And what, to what was
1: the what was your your mindset behind putting the fixed on there? Would you put on there fifty?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I've got a few fixed lenses. Uh, I brought with me the fifty one point four, and I've got a one hundred five f two, which happens to be the Nikon D focus lens, which I haven't really played with that um, uh, feature of it. But you know, the the thing about a, a fixed lens is it forces you to kind of move yourself as opposed to zoom the lens. And I think that often is a good exercise in terms of being more uh, um, conscious of your composition, uh, thinking about it more, knowing that, hey, I'm going to have to move a little bit further back and, and then work it. I think it's a little more deliberate, a little more um, thoughtful a process. Sometimes there's no time for that, but uh, when there is time or if you make time for it, I think and move around with it and try different things, I think it could result in... In, in stronger images with fixed lenses because it's more of a, a discipline thing in in my opinion.
1: Now, Steve, were you were you relying on the camera to to help you out with those shots? Uh, for example, were you using what mode were you shooting in on your Nikon? And were you using autofocus?
2: I absolutely was using autofocus. And the great thing about this uh, assignment was I dug into the menu and started to play with features that maybe not a lot of us play with uh one of those features i was using was auto iso because you know i wanted to make sure you know these things were fleeting moments and i wanted to make sure that you know, the shutter speed was fast enough to, to freeze the action.
1: Well, describe um, describe what Auto ISO is for folks who may not know what it is.
2: Yeah, Auto ISO is a great feature on most modern DSLRs. I mean, I'm using Nikon, but I know it's on the Canons and, and others. And what it is, it allows you to set the perimeters of ISO. We do know that the higher the ISO, generally speaking, the more noise, the less uh, um, dynamic range you have. But we also know that today's DSLRs are extraordinary when it comes to low-light shooting. So, you know, the ISO shooting at 1,600 or 3,200 in the past was something that you would avoid at all costs. Uh, The quality now on these new cameras, I mean, the D3S is a perfect example, where I would set my auto ISO range from 200 to 6,400, and that means that... And I would also set my minimum shutter speed at, let's say, 1 250th of a second. So, what would happen is if the lighting conditions go down um, to the point where 250th of a second will not yield a proper exposure, the camera will automatically bump up the ISO so that you will get a good exposure with that minimum 1 250th of a second. Which is a powerful way not to lose pictures, because if you go into a shadow area, suddenly the light goes down, the exposure becomes let 's say one sixtieth of a second, but instead of shooting at one sixtieth, the camera on auto ISO will bump it up from you know eight hundred to thirty two hundred and maintain one two fiftieth of a second, less missing shots that way. I know wedding shooters like it because even when they move from dark inside church to outside, auto ISO will do the opposite and go down. To compensate, so it's a it's a powerful feature that not a lot of us use. It's mostly recommended, I think, for uh, fast moving situations where there is a lot going on, and you don't really want to have to think about that. You want to concentrate on your your subjects when you are shooting landscapes and that kind of thing. Um, you know, you have time to to make those decisions.
1: Well, Steve, this is a this is a good transition point because one of the things that is hot on my mind right now, and you know, I would assume hot on the minds of lots of people around the world, is Haiti and the stuff that's happening down there. I wanted to talk about it on the show and I'm, I'm especially glad that you're here as a as a photographer who's traveled the world into you know countries that are that are uh, you know ravaged and and need help and you Steve have been able to insert yourself into those situations as a photographer and get the image while staying somewhat distance from the action itself. So I wanted to get your your initial thoughts on Haiti from a photographer's perspective in terms of if you're, if first of all, if you make the decision, the internal decision to say, "Hey, you know what? I want to go down there, and I th- I feel the need to go document this as a photographer," um, what do you do? What do you do first?
2: You know, that's that's it's a it's it's obviously uh, an extremely difficult situation um, for the people down there. As far as photographers are concerned, I think you know, for someone like myself, um, I have to have. Uh, a mission and direction for, and reason, a good reason for going down there because obviously bringing the story to the world, I think will, um, will, uh, encourage and inspire people to help and to donate. And that's the idea. You can hear about what happened. You can hear about the statistics but when you see the actual images, and we're seeing it on video, still images still can resonate uh, far beyond the video. And I guess we can debate with Alex on that one, or maybe he's, he agrees. No, I, I, but, I absolutely.
0: I think the, that there's something. Here's the thing. Yeah. Here's here's I, I've been watching because I've been seeing a lot of the news, mm-hmm. and it was funny. My uh, my wife said that she's finally gotten to this point where she kind of broke with watching CNN. Mm-hmm. Like she just lost her, I think I Twittered it last night, that she kind of lost her belief in CNN because it looked so forced. It looked mm-hmm. like they were so trying to find framing. And when you watch people talk, when you hear people talk about what's going on there, yeah. you see these anchors or these reporters or whatever that are rushing around Haiti trying to create something so that it looks good on TV over a long period of time. And you can hear them asking the stupid questions and mm-hmm. the stuff that it make you feel yeah yeah and and what did you do then and 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 it's such it trivializes I think I think sometimes the video trivializes what um, what's happening Mm -hmm. and 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 this is actually a case where I really feel I think I agree with Steve on this I think that there's something that you get um, from the photography that is um, more powerful
2: yeah I mean at least the the good photography there's certainly a, a resonance there but but I was gonna say that look as a photographer, as a photojournalist, going into a situation where there is such devastation, um, it's kind of easy to make strong images. And in order not to sort of exploit the situation, I have—I think you have to have the proper mindset. And that is, look, I'm going down there for a purpose. I heard someone say, I, I don't know the context of this, but I heard uh, someone say, hey, put down the camera and help us dig. Yeah. and. I don't know exactly what that was going on there, but but the bottom line is, you know, this is a human situation beyond photography, beyond the reason for going down there and bringing those images to the world and making, you know, the better photographers will make stronger images and and, and they'll have more impact. But they're, they're uh, you know, the idea of um, going down there, I think, for photographers, because You know, photographers will benefit from the situation. When you have these incredible scenes of devastation, you're going to make strong photographs. But that's not why you're Steve, what do you do, though?
1: I mean, like, we talked about this on the show before in terms of, you know, where do you draw the line? You know, if you're here in the United States and you encounter some sort of situation, a house is burning, firemen are there, and you could help but you also have your camera with you. Should you document the situation or should you help? And in the case of Haiti, you're down there and you get down there expressly to document this for whatever reasons. Maybe it's your job. Maybe you feel a, self, a, a sense of of, uh, of need to go down there to document this. But when you get down there and there's all this chaos and and death and bad things happening around you, do you still take pictures or do you help? Or, or how this, do you this, reconcile this? That?
2: This is kind of a, um, you know, I think it's very easy. And, you know, when I talk to students about ethics in photojournalism, you know, the one phrase that comes to mind is do the right thing. And you're always a human first and photojournalist or photographer second. So obviously, if there's something you can do to help the immediate situation that you're in, you know, you put down the camera. I mean, obviously, that devastation is going to be there for, for a long time coming. But at the same time, you know, I mean, I I think you have to be mindful of the reason why you're down there. And you're down there to make strong images, to to disseminate that information, to show the world what's going on. And the the better you do your job, I think, uh, perhaps, uh, the more good it's going to do. But always, 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 you're a human being first. You know, nothing is worth... Necessarily um, losing your life i mean there there are brave photojournalists who go into conflict situations, and you know many of them have been injured and even killed and and they do it for a variety of reasons, but I think the underlying and, and reason for it is because they believe that you know photography and bringing the the bearing witness to things could actually uh, help promote some sort of positive change. But, yeah. but it's an easy thing to say, and that is to do the right thing. Now, I think there are some photographers that go down there perhaps for the wrong reasons. I mean, it's a visually charged situation. You are going to make strong images. Um, and, and I think sometimes that lack of sensitivity comes across in the imagery itself when you see it. You can see if someone is maybe not empathetic with what 's really going on, but it, the reality is it 's got to be extremely difficult to work down there these days for obvious reasons and um, i think I think it is very frustrating when, as Alex and you brought up, when you see sort of television journalism covering it in in the same way they cover everything else that they do it 's got to be sort of made for TV and and some things just go beyond that and this is one of those those tragedies but for the grace of god you know it's not it's not us
1: yeah now alex when you when you travel you know just put this in context since you're you're a world traveler and in fact you're about to go on some crazy trip somewhere else really soon what if if someone's going to go down there or to any ravaged area like that where uh, it's questionable if you're going to be able to find r- fresh water food you know, the, the basic necessities and you're going down there expressly to create images or create a story or document, what do you need to bring with you? I mean, what, like in terms of, you know, camera gear, yeah, of course you're going to bring the necessities, probably the same stuff right. Steve brought to
0: the Olympics, but mm-hmm. around that, what are you going to bring? Um, so there's a couple things that, uh, when you're going into some for me anyway, I, Steve may have some input on this as well, but the, uh, from a technical perspective, batteries, and more batteries mm. and more batteries <laughs> uh, because the thing is you can't is, charge is that, them yeah. or you can't you don't get it's not that you don't have any charge mm. but you don't have constant charge you know you you just don't know when you're going to have uh, this might be the perfect time to bring a film camera right well Manual. Some, Well, but the thing is is that you're still camera you take five you could shoot for a long time with five Canon batteries in a SLR. Yeah, right. There's little things you can do with your SLR, like turn off. If you really want to save what you're doing, turn off the LCD from playing back every image as you're shooting. That will turn your camera battery uh, into an. Ex- your camera will shoot for weeks. You know mm, with that, that LCD it's that is what's LCD burning, that's sucking all the power out. Yeah. It, the other thing you do is you never. I never transfer. And I got out of this because I had a problem with it, and then mm-hmm. I just got out of the habit. But I never. Um, I never pull data off of my camera directly. that takes a lot of battery power. you mean you in turn you, you take the card out, put it in a reader a reader and it is ten dollars yeah. or fifteen dollars, and I always have the reader mostly because I want to be transferring stuff while i 'm continuing to shoot yeah. so i don 't really think about it that much but but I, I I notice I watch people and they talk about how fast their battery goes down i 'm like, how does that happen for them because it never happens for me, and I shoot a lot of photos yeah. and it turns out what 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 's happening is they 're pulling stuff off their camera and and that that transfer. Is pulling a lot of data. point—it's mm-hmm. a lot of battery power. So you turn off your LCD. You turn off that. Uh, from a from a technical sp- perspective, you um, solar powered chargers mm. are available for different things. Um, they're not very—they're not very efficient, mm-hmm. but sometimes they're better than I haven't better I, than having a dead camera. I'm going right? to Africa for five weeks in May, yeah, and, or end of April and through May, and I'll be traveling through like eight countries, and I'm definitely going to have solar—the uh, ability to solar charge a lot of stuff. Just as a backup. Mm-hmm. Um, in most of the places that I'm going, I'm not going anything that's particularly difficult. So I should be able – I should be fine, yeah. you know, being able to just um, fine charge. But it is in almost every country that you go into, and, and I think um, in this situation, I think you're really looking at something that is that is a um, uh, an extreme. You, you're not going to find a lot of uh, – if I, if I was going to go there and I knew that I was going to be there for two days – I'd probably bring two or three days to, mm-hmm. you know, I probably bring enough battery power to last all those days. And, and mm-hmm. the hyper Mac is the, is the, where, where I would go. I covered this in the, in Mac break that I, um, the hyper Mac is, uh, uh, they make these big battery, you know, pieces that'll last 20 hours or 25 hours or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, I'd probably take two or three of those. If I knew that I didn't have any chance of getting power as it is, I have one smaller one that fits into my, my cotta bag yep. and it'll, it lasts 10 hours. And what I do is I actually literally have it laced, you know, up through my my bag, mm-hmm. so I can be walking around through the airport charging my computer. They need to create some sort of kinetic charging thing. So yeah. as you walk, you generate <laughs> electricity to charge. Well, all they your have devices. kinetic chargers; they just don't have it set up for charging your devices. Yeah, I need it, yeah, 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 like on
1: the roller bags or something. All they I gotta should have is, like... I get energy and charge I charge your an
0: entire phone battery just walking through Frankfurt. Yeah. Frankfurt Airport is like I, I feel like I'm walking from Munich to Berlin. <laughs> you know, so the uh, <laughs> so anyway the um, uh, so anyway, so I think that the. Uh, That those are some things. As far as food goes, I I do think that there's there's a couple things about food that's important. Um, When you're going into those areas, uh, when you're going into any area where you don't know, is um, number one is don't you know? (laughs) They always say this, but don't drink the water and don't put ice in things. Right. You know, we we had a shooter uh, who was my brother, and he had. And he's not sure if it was actually the case, but he was still is your brother. He still is my brother. (laughs) But we're not sure if he's no. We we know he's my brother. We don't know if if it was the water, but he he was going to put in. He's, he's putting ice in his Fanta, and I was like, "Do you really want to do that?" And he was just like, "Oh yeah, yeah." And I was like, "Okay, you know." And <laughs> the cold will kill all the bacteria. <laughs> the, the next day, the next day, the next day, he started a three day journey oh. <laughs> that, that mostly that mostly had to do with his bedroom and the bathroom. Oh. You know, you know. And so just like, oh. and, and so the thing is, is that you have to be, you know, you you, you got to be conscious of that I take either, um, I now. Take my Nutrisystem system stuff. Mm-hmm. But I but I used to take power bars and cliff bars. Mm-hmm. And when I say that I take them, I would take boxes of them. Okay. And, and, so and you're hearing, it's not that I eat them all. So the first part of what you were talking about is make sure you bring adequate power for your hardware. And then and you want to you bring out ad- you need adequate power for you. <laughs> yeah, and and here's the thing, is is it I love eating local food and I eat as much local food as I can as I can reasonably eat. Mm-hmm. But when I'm out there shooting, I what I don't want is A, I don't want me or the crew to start getting lightheaded. You get to a place where you can't eat. Like there's just nothing, you know, we were shooting in Mushvingo, uh or in, or in great Zimbabwe and there just wasn't any place to easily go get food. Right. And you want to keep on shooting. And so having a bunch of power bars saves shoots, yeah. you know, it, you know, cause you're not looking. The other thing is, wedding photographers have known that for years and years and years. Yeah. You can't be expecting to get that dinner with the dinner plate. Yeah. You know, you know, yeah. you have to make sure that yourself. So I'm in my, and I have this one bag in my, this one compartment mm-hmm. that's just full of power bars all the time. So when I'm traveling, I just always, if I'm hungry, I just put one of those out and eat it. Or it's system bars now, but same but thing. But
1: what about water? I mean, how do you, how do you handle that? Well, and there's. say there's, if you're, you're deployed somewhere, mm-hmm. you're, you're in some, some region, and like you said, you're not going to drink the
0: water. You know, right. How do you handle that? And you've got to be there for an extended period. So there's a couple things. One is in the, uh, at least in Africa, and I'm not sure whether it extends to North America or not. If you take a clear um, two-liter two jug, mm-hmm. a two-liter like um, Coke bottle. Coke, Mm -hmm. plastic Coke bottle. Um, If you put water in that, you know, and you want to strain it so it doesn't have a lot of minerals or whatever. If you put that out in the sun between 10 and 2 for, you know, just leave it out there in the afternoon, it will kill everything. Everything. I talked to, I mean, I didn't make this up. I I talked to a person who that's what they do in Africa is train people to purify the water. Your mileage may, bear, may vary. <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna. <laughs> don't, you know what I'll say? Don't is Don't come that, after Alex. Yeah, or don't you come, come after me. <laughs> what I was told, I was told is that the the the, the combination of heat and UV uh, will, will kill everything. And I've tried it, and it works. Yeah, really? well, I haven't well, good gotten luck sick. With that. So Steve, what <laughs> so about you? There, there are there. There's great little straws and great little things and in iodine, You know stuff and you can boil the water those yeah. are all the other those are the more traditional things additives that you can. to the water yeah you can put additives to water you can run them through straws that that you know kill everything but like if
1: you're in a place where the you, you the water you find you can't see through it yeah. yeah, that stuff you can
0: leave out for you know four hours and then drink it. That's what I'm told. I haven't. I didn't try it with water though. No, I can't, I'm sorry. No, I can't uh, see well, you, you try. That's to like get borderline it sewage, I'll test it. You know, <laughs> I'll test it.
1: Yeah, Steve. In, yeah, you, you know, know, in the in the places it, you go, what do what do you? What's your your M O for staying well, alive? I
2: think, I think you know, just getting back to a place that's in crisis like Haiti. I mean. You know, you just can't go in on your own. I think the people that are going in there are working with teams. They're, they're there with organizations, be it media organizations or whatever. Because, you know, the, frankly, if you went as a freelancer wanting to cover this story, um, you're going to need some help. You're going you're gonna have to have some connections on the ground there or else yeah. you're going to be in the same predicament as and, the, the people that are there. The one thing I um, want to say
0: about that is I don't go to any country that I don't have local contacts in. Yeah, like yeah. ever. If I don't have someone I, local that I'm be working with, I don't. I don't go. Steven's- i can tell you
2: one of one of the things that I learned um, when I I went on this documentary crew covering um, Dr. James Orbinski, who's the former head of uh, Médecins Sans Frontières, Nobel Prize-winning, uh, uh, amazing guy, and 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 his due diligence before going into a place because that's what they do, as you know. Uh, organizations like Red Cross and 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 Médecins Sans Frontières, when there's tragedy and crisis and hell on earth, they go in. But even they won't go in unless they feel they can guarantee the safety of their people to be able to do the job. And to watch the due diligence before they go in, because we were on our way to Somalia, which was you know, obviously a country at war, but we saw Dr. Urbinski do his due, due diligence to find out he knew exactly where we were going. He needed to find out from people on the ground in that area exactly what the situation was. By the time he finished his um, research, uh, we were all very comfortable knowing that we were going there and it was going to be relatively safe. I think it's, it's very difficult if you're a, a freelance photographer interested in being a photojournalist to do this on your own. You need to connect with someone that's there that can kind of have your back and, and help you out. The other thing I learned from them is, you know, water obviously is is the most important thing. And he says, you always take twice as much water as you think you'll need because you end up, you know, you never think you're going to need as much as you will. So so that's important. And I know water is heavy and big, but uh, it's essential. And uh, that's why the team effort is, is important. You need to guarantee those things. I've never used those other things that alex has talked about and i know they're there and i've brought the the stuff with me fortunately i haven't had to use them i haven't been in this kind of extreme situation yeah. but um you know it's these these are just uh, essentials and the, and also from the photographic point of view we've talked about it before uh, obviously the battery thing but um for digital photographers having one of those banks with a big hard drive uh, is really important if you don't have enough cards and i think if i was going there i would probably take as, as many batteries, as Alex said, and as many cards, as many 16-gig cards or even 32-gig cards that would allow me to um, maintain the images on those cards until I had to, to get back to, to be able to, just
0: in case. Yeah. Uh, all I was going to say real quickly is that um, I, was, we, I once had a, a shoot where I, we were in Joshua Tree and we didn't take enough water. Mm-hmm. And it almost turned from a great, beautiful shoot to a really ugly situation because we had walked way into uh, Joshua Tree, <laughs> and uh, and and then we um and then we were walking back, and you know, it was four, four hours in the desert without any water. It, it yeah. doesn't seem like that much. And you're going to Joshua Tree soon. Speaking
1: of Joshua Tree, we have a workshop coming up, but I'm going to talk about that at the end, okay. of, the yeah, at right the end now, of the show. Right now, I want to oh. give a nod to. Can one I just of our sponsors.
2: Add, add just okay. one quickie just to Alex's comment? Just because you know, when I was in Winnipeg at minus 35, it was cold. Um, as a photographer, you need to be comfortable and I was dressed for it, and I could work generally speaking if you don 't have any water and you 're in the Joshua Tree in this amazing experience you know you 're not going to be able to concentrate on your photography, so you really should do your research, know where you 're going, be prepared and yeah. and dressed for it uh, and make sure you have what you need to. To do the job because that's that's absolutely essential. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I could barely concentrate on walking by the end.
1: (laughs) Speaking of walking, what about driving, Alex, in the new Ford Sync?
0: Well, of course, uh, we uh, want to thank our sponsor, Sync. Sync is the new uh, system exclusively for Ford, Lincoln, and Mercury vehicles. And Sync listens to your voice. So without using your hands, you can make phone calls, uh, go to your mobile phone. Um, you can make calls on your mobile phone. You can find and play music and podcasts. You can get turn-by-turn navigation. You get access to real-time traffic and weather. And, of course, Sync has uh, supported all TWiP's uh, coverage of CES. We're, we're going to be continuing to put out uh, a few TWiPs that we shot at CES, um, so, that, so check it out this month. Uh, you'll get, you'll, you won't have to check it out too much if you're subscribed mm. to, to TWiP. On uh, on uh, iTunes to this week in photography, mm-hmm. uh, you'll get some video uh, that we shot with Ron and and uh, that I shot about some of the new stuff that we saw at uh, at CES. So uh, definitely uh, tune in for that and uh, make sure to subscribe to that. And for more details, you can go to SyncMyRide. dot com.
1: All right, and just to close off this topic, um, to interweave social media and the the immediacy and interactive interactivity of the web, uh, someone in the twit IRC chat room, Alex wants to remind you not to forget toilet paper. CD Mac wants to,
0: you know, I didn't say that, <laughs> but I, I, I will say everything that everything has to it go is, somewhere. My friend. no, no, no. It, it's an extremely important thing that I, you know, so so anytime you see me from in pictures, behind the scenes pictures, uh, in Africa, you'll notice that I'm wearing cargo pants yeah. and you'll notice that one, one, no matter what, one of those pockets is a little bulgy. All that is, <laughs> is toilet paper because man it is nothing like being in the middle of nowhere and and what happens is i remember in tanzania i walked in i walked in and i was like i walked in the bathroom number one and there's no you know it's just like opened yeah and then there's these two little footprint these two little like raised foot areas yeah over a hole nice and there's nothing there's like no paper you know like come on now you know like there's nothing of like that and um yeah so uh so you, how did you escape the situation i had toilet paper oh you had it with you i had it with me i was got it but but of course i ran out because i, I had to supply it to everybody because no one, i was the only one that thought of it and so then i wow then you wait for the next time you run into somewhere where you get toilet paper and the reason there's no toilet paper is because people like you take it all and you see it you're just, <laughs> just like <"Hey>, that's <laughs> right toilet paper. yeah so it's a whole um, roll. yeah yeah exactly.
1: yeah exactly uh Stephen blew it um one of my uh, my Facebook friends sent a message. He says, uh, "Where'd it go? Where'd it go?" He said something. I lost it now. He said something about um, chlorine and coffee filter, or chlorine tablets and coffee filters. For, I'm sure that would work for uh, purifying your water. Steve, have you done that?
2: Uh, I have not. I have not. I I try to avoid all of that stuff, and I've been lucky enough to uh, Steve, to not Steve, have to
1: use it. Steve has a big Hummer following him everywhere, with with full of full of uh, I have a, I have a Arrowhead
2: <laughs> with, with an LCD TV. Uh, Steve Simon, called...
1: sponsored by Arrowhead.
2: <laughs>
1: all right, let's, let's. No, but I mean,
2: obviously, you know, it's life and death, air and water. That's that's what we need. So uh, you got to have that with you, just in case, and you know. Is that one-ply or
0: two-ply, Alex, that you use? Yeah, usually you can only take one. That's you know, okay. all you get. Wow.
1: So anyway. <laughs> all right, moving right along. Um, we Someone on to- the uh, chat side said, this
2: week
0: in toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, <laughs> can, can I tell you, there. I, I could have a whole show on toilet yeah. paper. Yeah, All we right. could. Um, but instead of doing <laughs> that, like, we're going to talk about we're, we're
1: going to talk about lighting on this show. Um, Getting started, lighting one hundred and one, lighting one hundred and one. So uh, one of the one of the topics that we have lined up for the next several this week in photography shows is to take a, a central topic and sort of let's talk about it amongst you know the the hosts. This show was a little bit lopsided because of the. You know breaking news that is Haiti we wanted to talk about that a little bit. oh, one last thing on the Haiti thing to bring it back um donations for haiti so if you want to donate to the to haiti there's a we'll put a bunch of links in the in the show notes hopefully right. and on the blog but um it, you just Google Haiti Donations and you'll find a million ways to donate. The way I donated personally was through iTunes. So if you go to iTunes, there's a Red Cross link in you there.
0: You can d- donate via iTunes? Through iTunes. There's a whole Is Red Cross page
1: in there. There's, I don't know if there's an app yet. That's funny. There may be an app.
0: But there's a page
1: you can just hit and then boom, you just get charged just like you get charged for music and apps and stuff. So oh,
0: that. I was trying to find the best way to do it. That is the best way to do it. iTunes. Yep. I mean, Apple could become the like the largest funder of, you know, relief aid ever. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is is that it's it's easy. Like there's no I, I trust it, I don't have to think about mm-hmm. it. I that's really cool. Yeah. Amazon.com has a similar
1: service up there too for you frequent Amazon purchasers. Right. But uh, just use the stuff that you already use and you can donate. So you don't have to worry about okay, I gotta do this and fill this out. Just go there and click and you're done. Okay. Um lighting one oh one. What do you know about lighting, Alex?
0: Nothing. What is light? What is light? Light is energy. It is energy. Now, okay, so so what is Steve? This I'm going to put you on the oh, spot oh, here. here. here.
1: Now, Steve, Steve, Steve gets paid to know this stuff. He's a professional yeah. <laughs> working photographer. He better know the definition of the medium that he proposes to be able to capture. What is light,
0: Steve? Uh, what is the light? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: okay. Uh. No, I'm just kind to, wait a second. Well, no, I mean, I so, used to. So when we think about I used to
2: need lights before the D3S. I used to <laughs> use light all the time, but now it's not really that necessary. Um, but light is 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 is. Are you asking the the de-
0: you know waves and all no, this kind from of the Scientific photographer's perspective? At the it's, basis, it's, it's, what is light?
2: It's 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 shadow and
0: um, well, really, what you're managing is contrast, right?
2: Mm-hmm. yeah I mean that's yeah, that's the yeah. the
0: bottom line is I mean when I think well anyway when I think of lighting mm-hmm. I think of that all I'm doing I'm managing contrast I'm managing how much contrast there is between the foreground and the background how much contrast there I mean for me phot- photography is largely mm-hmm. uh, contrast
1: mm-hmm. yep it's the uh, light is uh, well visible light is the or white light is the combination of all colors in equal amounts black is the absence of all colors in equal amounts so um Photography is essentially when you look at an object, you're looking at light reflected off of the different surfaces of that object. And depending on what the properties of that surface are, it's going to reflect back to you different things like specularity, um, diffuse, color, all that stuff. So, And in fact, you know the funny thing that I learned when, we're, when I was going through school or in the military learning about light, because we spent a lot of time just dissecting what this thing was that we were trying to capture... And I learned that every Alex, everything you look at is not really there because light travels at what three hundred and eighty-six thousand miles per second, or something like that. One hundred eighty-six thousand. One hundred. Yeah. One hundred eighty-six thousand miles per second. Come on, come on, study this. Three hundred. We... One hundred. Come on. Um, <laughs> but the point is, when you look at something, the the time that it takes for the light to travel from that subject to your eye. The subject is in the past, so you never mm. actually see the present of the of anything you're looking at. It's, it's always philosophical, a little bit. Where people are sitting there, it's, like, okay, yeah. so
0: how does that affect my photography? How does that affect? Well, yeah. you have to you, when you have look to understand. Up the
2: stars at night, you're looking at thousands of years ago, millions of years ago, yeah. aren't
0: you? Yeah, exactly. Same principle.
1: So how does that how does that affect photography? I think I mean fundamentally, you have to understand what's happening with light in order to capture it. For example, um, if you are this is an experiment we did in the military. We were this was film, right? So. Open up your your at night, right? So you have a camera, you set it on tripod or sticks, as Alex video people call it. Set it on sticks, open up put it on bulb, open up this this shutter so but so nothing's getting exposed. Then you put a subject in front of the camera, say seven, ten feet out, meter so that your, your flash is gonna deliver the right exposure, pop the flash on that person. You get the right exposure. That person's now now exposed in the film. Now you keep the keep the bulb open. Take that person 200 feet away. The first person is like six, seven feet, 200 feet away. The subject to flash distance is the same. So you have another, the same person with a flash at the same distance from the subject and you pop the flash again. Does the exposure change? No, because light travels so fast, it exposes the exact same way or relatively as it would for the person that's right there. So if you, when, you, when we start understanding those kind of things and how fast light works and how distance from the light source to the subject in some cases is irrelevant, you can start doing really crazy things like that.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and I think that it's, it's also important. I mean, to, that, that, but that distance to subject is important because you lose 75% of your light every time you double the distance Invered of the light. Off. Yeah, it falls yeah, off. So, so it falls off. And, so, and that's really great because, I mean, a lot of times you'll find that you're... We were just shooting... Um, I was just shooting an interview last week and, uh, and I, uh, you know, we had everything set up because one of the things we wanted to do for the interview, and this is video, but it, it still applies, wanted a really short depth of field, you know? And with video, you're, you're kind of stuck because you've got, you know, a 60, you know, you got a shutter of 60 or 48 or one forty-eight or one sixtieth of a second. And you're trying to have the background be a certain exposure and the foreground be a certain exposure. And the ND filter was a little too much. You know, it was like one of those things like we were all in between. Mm-hmm. All I did is just grab the lights and just move them out a foot. Yeah and everything you know you know could kind of make sure they were kind of in the same thing and so those are simple little things you can do too by moving those lights in and out yep. um, that, that distance is really important but if you just think it's I'm going to lose 75% every time I double the, yeah. the distance that you can um, you use that a lot to kind of gauge how much light you're getting and you know,
1: I'll tell you when we were when we were learning this stuff it was you know, the, the reason that they wanted us to have sort of an intrinsic knowledge of how light works and so that we can understand and I think it was so that we didn't make mistakes and we could use less film, thus costing the government less money. <laughs> but today, <laughs> yeah. you know, Steve Simon has a Nikon D three something or other and uh you know, it's not really relevant. I mean light is of course is always gonna be uh it's the thing well, that we work in. Well, I guess we'd say the 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 quantity getting of light is getting isn't it important, exactly but the quality right. is
0: the quantity of light is not important, but mm-hmm. not the the quantity, but the quality of light is important. You know what direction is it coming? What you know? How is it communicating? You know what yeah. is it communicating? And also how your subject looks. I mean, I think that uh, one thing that you know you think you want big diffuse lighting, but there are you know uh, um, there are those of us like me. They like if if I you can see hold on see. for people watching. See, <laughs> this is like the last <laughs> bit of fat that leaves my body is like right under my chin. And so one of the things that, that helps that is having lights that are a little higher. Oh. So you'll notice like when I'm controlling the set, I'm always like, yeah, let's, uh, let's bump those lights up a little bit. Yeah. You know, let's, I want them kind of more TV. And that's what TV, the reason TV lighting is the way They're it always is. Like this, They're always high right, coming yeah. down because yeah. then people, it, it's much more forgiving when it comes to um, you know, creating a jawline. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in that and, and and a lot of times, those are little things that I know uh, if you don't pay attention to, it just is not as attractive mm-hmm. when you're taking a when you're for us when we're doing interviews or or so on and so forth. And, and so that's and, and we're going to continue this conversation. We yeah. should probably talk about the basic three point light at some mm-hmm. point in time. Yeah. And, and well, so I so wanted something.
1: to ask Steve, Steve, what do you, what do you do or as a photographer, say a beginning photographer, they just got their first uh, digital SLR uh, and they, maybe they had a flash with it. Should they leave that flash on the camera, or should they take it off?
2: Um, well, first off, I was looking in the chat room, and uh, I hope you have liability insurance because you uh, just blew Justin's brain with uh, <laughs> your physics uh, thing. Hey, that I thought it physics? was really that interesting, was Fred.
1: Simple math. Don't get me started.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was very interesting what you said because I hadn't really thought about that before. Yeah. But I do understand it because I have a knowledge of light, and having a knowledge of how light works and how light trails off mm-hmm. is important, especially these days when everyone wants to sort of have multiple flashes and, and use them well. Um, I think the one important thing you can learn uh, to go to the next step in your photography is to take that flash off camera. And I say off camera, not necessarily physically. You can take that flash off camera by bouncing it off a ceiling as long as you're far enough away from your subject so that the light goes up to the ceiling and reflects back and softens and comes down and bathes your subject. Even better, if it's on camera and you bounce it off a wall, particularly a white wall where the color will stay neutral and give you a nice kind of window light replication. But I think one of the things if people are shooting uh, people – um, or anything really, is to, if you don't have a wireless flash, most of them have a sort of that off-camera cord. And with autofocus, you can hold the camera in one hand and hold the flash off at a 45 degree angle to whatever it is you're shooting. And I guarantee you, you will like the light, That you will like the look of your images. You get a much more three-dimensional look. And I think if there's one simple thing with one flash, I would say is to take it off the camera, uh, using flash anyway, because um, the quality, it will look like no flash was used. And I think that's often the goal with flash is that you've got a very natural-looking image.
1: All right, Steve, we're going to move on from this topic. Before before we jump away from it, One one, uh, give us one tip or give give the listeners one tip. If they're going to start looking at light differently or from a photographer's perspective, what should they pay attention to or what's a tip?
2: I think, um, one good tip, and it's something I'm always looking for, particularly now that we're in this new era where it's not so much the quantity of light anymore because some of these new cameras, and I don't want to go on, you know, at length about, uh, these new sensors, but they'll allow you to shoot with literally no light, which isn't to say that You're going to get good shots in low light. I think what's really important when you look at your subject and you choose how you're going to either place your subject or what angle you're going to take is if the light is relatively even. If it's even and low, you're going to get beautiful results. If it's extremely contrasty, you may not, or if the light is not even and you're not getting the areas that are important to the composition. Um, there's enough light on those areas, then you're, you're going to have problems regardless of, you know, how high your ISO is going to go. So I would always look for kind of okay. even and, and relatively soft light, even if it's very low.
1: All right.
2: Does that All make sense?
1: That makes complete sense, Steve. Okay. Thank you. I want to be your student. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to jump into our interview of the week. I uh, had an opportunity to sit down with Michael Corsentino, who is a happens to be a Petaluma-based uh, photographer. He actually lives in Petaluma, but he uh, serves the Northern California area. It's a really interesting conversation because he doesn't really call himself a wedding photographer. He calls himself a lifestyle photographer in terms of being able to blend photojournalistic uh, documentary um, and editorial styles together to create kind of a unique look. So if you haven't seen his stuff, Google it, um, but we'll provide the links in the show notes to it, the show notes to his, uh, to his site, etc. But definitely give this interview a listen. It's very interesting. I'm here with Michael Corsentino. He's a uh, wedding photographer, wedding and portrait photographer. I think is uh, how he's branding himself, but, uh, He's a uh, a guy who, in in a lot of ways, is inspirational to me because he's kind of doing stuff that I would love to be doing. <laughs> you know, he's got he's got a successful wedding photography business. He's known throughout the industry. Um, he's engaged uh, in doing a number of things in terms of training and giving back to the community. All this cool stuff and all the stuff that I would love to be doing. But I have the the opportunity to uh, have a quick conversation with him on behalf of the TWIP audience and pick his brain. So welcome to This Week in Photography, Michael. Thanks. It's great to be here. Um, So let's let's just start. So... who are you? <laughs> no, let's, let's rewind it back. So I know you're in, you're in Northern California now. We're, we're in Petaluma. This is correct. Um, as we record this, um, but you're not originally from here. You're you're no, in New York. I'm, I'm New York, yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. how, how did you... Brooklyn-born. How did you go from right to left?
3: <laughs> well, you know, I'd always wanted to come out to California. It had just seemed like this... Um, I guess, been there, done that. You know, I spent a long time in New York, and I always had wanted to come out to California, and the opportunity presented itself, and I... Figured, let's do it. If I don't do it now, it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm um, really yep. glad that I did.
1: Yeah. So, has, is was a photography a lifelong dream of yours? I know we had conversations before, and I remember you mentioning something about being involved in one way or another in creativity or creative arts from uh, from way beyond before you just started be- becoming a professional photographer
3: that's right yeah but I've been making images since I'm 12 years old wow yeah I was finger the kid, paint yeah exactly <laughs> I was the kid with the dark room in yep. my room and um, you know in my bedroom closet and the whole thing and then eventually graduated to another room in the house my parents were nice enough to let me do that yeah um, and then I studied it in college, and then kind of went a different way and ended up in graphic arts being a graphic designer mm-hmm. always continued shooting, but was doing more uh, documentary work and um, self financed uh, editorial stuff I, where I would go and I would do um, I would assign myself some sort of a project and then try and sell it to magazines oh. and write a companion piece to go with it so packaging an entire thing that I could try and sell mm-hmm. to magazines and I, I had a little bit of success with that but it really wasn't about the money as much as the artistic side of things mm-hmm. um, you know editorial doesn't really pay that much and yeah. um, but I loved it and it was great and it cut my it kept my fingers and my hands into it yeah when I was doing the graphic design you know for the uh, for the money
1: When you had when you had your graphic design hat on um, and contrasting that to now and how things are done now, you know, we've got lots of different tools and, and ways to share work, you know, and get hired, you know, through services, different uh, freelance warehousing services. Um, how has the industry on the design side changed from then to now, or has it?
3: Uh, you know, I th- I've been out of it for a while, mm-hmm. and I was a print designer. Mm-hmm. So, oh, wow. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um I never print? really what's that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I never bridge that gap between um, you know print and the web. I, mm-hmm. uh, most of what I've learned in terms of web is, has all been uh, you know due to my photography business. Mm-hmm. Just learning, you know, a, a little bit of uh you know hack HTML and CSS sure. and things like that. Um, so in terms of you know, the business I'm sure has changed a lot in, in graphic design, but the few clients that I still have on the graphic design side of things it's all print. Yeah. and basically my deliveries are just with you know, PDFs and uh, you know screenshots and things sure. like that I mean it's, it's pretty um, rudimentary
1: so I want to I talk about the current now so uh, Michael Corsentino photography is the business that that it's your brand name yes but uh, the interesting thing is I uh, you know this is the first time so we're, we're actually in your studio right now and this is my first time here and this is the. I think what I'm seeing here is sort of a representation, in my opinion, of how these kind of businesses will will go forward. I mean, you know, a lot of people. Because just to give the, the audience an, an idea of what I'm talking about, so Michael has a, a beautiful home here. We're in his home, and we're sitting in his screening. Was this the viewing room? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the viewing room where he brings clients in. It's just you know immaculately decorated, and he lives and works in this space and it's perfect. I think it's like a perfect ecosystem because you don't have the overhead of a studio or an office and all that. And you don't really need that. So, I mean, I was I visited another photographer a couple of days ago. And they have a I mean, not to knock having a physical studio, but it's a beautiful studio, you know, and you know, established and all that stuff, but it's uh and I think there's definitely still space for that. You know, it's it's definitely a viable and I would love to have a studio but i think it's there's something streamlined and something economically smart about having a live workspace and bringing clients in and you know you could come down to your 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 viewing area and bring clients in and then Show them out and go up to your office and get work done and then go crash and then right. you know it's just that ecosystem. So how has this been for you? You know, having the setup like this, how is it? How is it working out? Well, it's working out great. I mean,
3: it's it's definitely a decision that you have to make, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a sacrifice in some ways because this is, um, I would say, you know, fifty percent less, um, you know, a living room and a hundred percent more. A sales and viewing room,
1: right? Um, Meaning for entertaining when you when you're right. not the I don't photographer, really, Michael. You're right. you're the friend, Michael. You have to like, okay, now you're in my viewing room, not right. my living room,
3: exactly. Yeah. And you're always looking at your work, you know, when your samples are up, you're seeing your clients, and mm-hmm. you know, it's also seeing your artwork, which I like. But at the same time, there's not really a lot of off time. You're always around your business, sure. Yeah. Um, which is which is okay. You I have mean, to love your business. You, then. I do. Yeah. I love my business, yeah. but at the same time, I think it's good to have separation. Um, and, you know, the goal is eventually to have a studio, mm-hmm. a bricks-and-mortar off-site studio and a separate space or okay. a, a live-work loft or something where...
1: So this is a stepping stone to that. Thing.
3: Yeah, I think okay. so. I think okay. so. Um, you know, it's not for everyone,
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, but I'm kind of a workaholic. You know, I, I, there is not really that much separation from me in terms mm-hmm. of my business and my private life yeah. because it's my artwork and I'm very connected to it and passionate about it. So. Mm-hmm. It works so bring, for me. On you bring that level. dates on
1: weddings with you, and all. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, just make sure you get another plate for there them. There you right? go. Exactly. Can
3: you carry this bag? Yeah. Hold this reflector. Exactly.
1: It's working out so far. You, you know, know, good whatever, help is hard to find. Whatever
3: works. Yeah. You, know, you
1: gotta overlap sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So the next, the, the, so the the next evolution of this will be, um, you sort of draw the line and move into a physical studio space yeah it's not
3: hard and fast i mean Mm -hmm. we'll see it's you know one step at a time and we'll sort of see how it evolves and progresses Mm -hmm. one of the things that i think is wherever you are i think you kind of have to own it Mm -hmm. and i think that you can make any situation work for you and the nice thing about a wedding and portrait business is it's a very intimate business so having it in your home you can play on that intimacy because you're having people into a very personal and private space yep
1: yep you
3: know and um I think that, that can work in your favor if mm-hmm. you if you it's allow like, it.
1: It's to. like a, a almost a level up from a boutique almost. Exactly. Right? You know, boutique is like, Oh, right. we put this theme together because this is our philosophy for our studio, but when they're in your home, this is this is me. You know. Right. This is me and so you can really you're introducing them to you. By virtue of you bringing them into your space, and they can see how you live and how meticulous you are, and that exactly. will subliminally translate into how meticulously how meticulous you'll be with their prints and entry exactly. their event, yeah. and the
3: kind of brand association that you have in your space, the other mm-hmm. uh, you know appointments that you have throughout your space that say you know high ticket items, yeah, you know the furniture, the you know whatever it is that you have, the way that your place is decorated, yep. All of that, you know, plays into it. You well know,
1: it's all it's all one thing. I mean how you're dressed, how you speak, Packaging. how you articulate, right. how your house is yeah, how exactly. your neighbors look like, all that stuff exactly. plays in. Okay, Michael, let's talk about marketing a little bit and how you're you're getting your the, the word out about your business. Take me through what you what you were doing the before and what you're doing now in terms of uh, pushing forward the Corsantino brand.
3: Sure. Um, well, I think social media is really important. As, as we've discussed, Facebook, Twitter, and the blog really help to uh, build a connection between you and your clients and potential clients, which I think is really powerful. I think people hire who they like and who they feel connected to. And um, you know, if you're able to establish that connection and keep people engaged in your life and, and um, you know, the things that uh, motivate you and excite you, then that translates, you know, into a, a positive thing, and people generally respond to it. Mm-hmm. So that's been really positive. Uh, and I think that there are there are two different kinds of marketing that that I've become more aware of this this past year, um, and not just marketing your brand, but marketing what your brand is producing, marketing the work that you're producing, so that you can boost your revenue um, and until it back into the business. Yeah. Um, and so I've done some things very differently than I used to do, um, in terms of uh, you know boosting the bottom line and helping to really uh, get the message out of, about the kind of brand that I'm building. Um,
1: and what are some of those things? Like,
3: uh, well, like I used to put images online right away because everyone that I had looked at and uh, the people that the leaders that I was looking to for inspiration, uh, you know, had all said that's one of the most important things to do is get the images online right away. Mm-hmm. um and maintain that connection emotionally which which is really valid um but i was finding that print sales were really really low and i needed that revenue on the back end to cover all the work that i was doing in the production you know at the price point that i was charging at that point and and frankly you know i'm still charging um for my weddings and portrait sessions there was so much work that was i was you know it's really kind of a customized process that i do um, I don't use templates for albums, and I put a lot of Photoshop work and time into the you know, images that I put in albums and the portrait sessions and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, you um, do all this yourself? You do, I do. You yeah. do all your
1: album design? You don't send it off I to do. like uh, shoot, edit, or no, something like that? No, I do.
3: I do it mm-hmm. myself. Um, kind of control freak, I guess, and I, I really. Um, and at some point that may be viable, you know, when their volume is there and I can, you know, and I feel comfortable letting go of that part of the process, mm-hmm. but not right now. So I really, you know, wanted to, uh, you know, bring in some more revenue into the business. And I started working with a colleague of mine who uh, has a different take on things. Um, and one of the things that he taught me was, you know, don't put your images online before you have people come in, have them mm-hmm. come into the studio. And I know that there are other people who are doing this as well. And I'll tell you, it's made a world of difference.
1: Like, what kind of difference? So instead of, so they never see, you, you're not uploading and giving them a password. You don't do that. At some point, I do. Maybe at the end. Once, after but they the-
3: have to come in for what I call a red carpet premiere. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, they come in uh, for an, a preview, an ordering session, mm-hmm. and so right after their um, session, be it an engagement or a wedding or a portrait session, we're scheduling about seven days out for them to come in for a uh, red carpet premiere. Mm-hmm. And when they come in, uh, there's a little slideshow and some beverages. It's either champagne or wine, depending on you know whether it's an engagement or a um, wedding review. Mm-hmm. Um, And there's a PDF that gets sent out uh, during that week between the two. Before they come in, so that there are no surprises, and so that they're qualified. They know what they're going to see. Right, they know exactly what to expect. And there are specials that are available only that night, Um, and there are artist edits something called Artist Edits, Mm -hmm. and Panoramics, which you see here. Mm -hmm. And those are only available in certain sizes. And what those are are special edits that I put a lot of time into. And they're only available uh, 1624 or or above. Mm -hmm. So they cannot buy those prints in 4x6s and 5x7s and 8x10s. Is this
1: session when they come in... so they haven't they, they, they have a preview so they have the PDF and they know what they're going to see right. um, or the style of your work and so right. it's kind of like a teaser right so they
3: well no the PDF is just a series of collections I'll show you one
1: hmm Michael's walking over to his bookshelf now
3: this is from a session a recent session
1: okay oh okay so this so we're, I'm looking at a, a printout from Michael, and this, is, uh, this isn't this is a PDF of images. This is a PDF of the different things that they can order. Right, specials it's like a price and list. specials it's
3: a price and a la carte. So these are the specials that are available only the night of, mm-hmm. and these are what everything would cost a la carte. So they can see that there are substantial savings in these specials.
0: OK, got it. So okay. I'm
3: incentivizing those specials by really building in great discounts. And obviously, the larger the collection, the deeper the discount.
1: Okay, got it. Now, when you're when you're in that session, when the when the client, the bride and groom, or the bride and her mom, or whoever mm-hmm. are here looking at the images, um, is it low pressure or high pressure? Very. You know, low are pressure. you are you here saying, well, you got to buy this now no, because it's not. a limited time only? You know, no.
3: I say, listen, guys, you can buy whatever you want. Mm-hmm. There are no minimums.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, but these
3: specials are available tonight. Yeah, and that's it. And you don't have to commit to all of the images. That night, because there are a series of gift prints. Basically, it's a wall portrait, be it a, a gallery wrap or uh, a luster print, and then a series of discounts and a series of gift prints. Mm-hmm. But what I'm really focused on with them at that point, and where my business is really going, is I want to create wall art for my clients. Yeah. That's really why I did this. I didn't do this, and I don't mean to sound flip, um, to you know, or dismissive. I'm not in this to print four by sixes for people. Right. I think more of my art. Than you know a bunch of four by sixes and five by sevens. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have to be honest. I mean, I really do. I I put so much time and effort, and I'm so emotionally connected to this that I, I'm really I want beautiful art on people's walls.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it doesn't does this sort of method or business practice apply to weddings or is it just portrait sessions? Weddings. It's and weddings. Portraits. So yeah. if you have if say you're at a wedding and you right. go through and you shoot, I don't know. 2000 3000 4000 images right. at a wedding. They're not going to come here and sit and go through each no, image with you, right? Not. So what are, what are they going through?
3: Well, I'll bring those images home mm-hmm. and then I'll edit them down mm-hmm. to let's say 700 images. Mm-hmm. Then out of those 700 images, I will put together my favorites. Mm-hmm. And I've also gone through and I've, you know, segregated each part of the day into a separate category, mm-hmm. um, which will then be put online. Mm-hmm. But nothing is online until they come in, as as I've said. Okay. Right? So, uh, and with the engagement sessions, let me just backtrack. The engagement sessions, nothing goes online no matter what, unless they are in a package. Oh. Right. So, if they commit to one of these collections, print collections, then the images go online.
1: Then, if they don't commit, what happens to the engagement sessions? Nothing goes online. They never see those photos?
3: Well, they see them when they come in for their red carpet premiere. Okay. Right. But they don't go up, but they do not go online. If okay. they want them to go online, I'll offer and they're not really up for a package, I'll say, Well listen, you know what what I can do is we'll post them for one uh for one ninety five and mm-hmm. then you give you uh I think it's like fourteen days uh if you want to get into one of these collections, we'll apply that one ninety five to your nice. collection. Brilliant. Um, and generally if people are you know are going to make that commitment to the posting fee, they're not gonna walk away from their one ninety five.
1: So, the key is getting them in place and getting them in physically it's and so important and and then pushing them a little bit with a special, a time limited special,
3: yeah, it's not really pushing them I incentivizing
1: mean, them right. Yeah. by mm-hmm. the point
3: that by the time that they've come in, I have a significant investment of time in creating those artist edits mm-hmm. and creating those panoramics. And the way I think of it is, I used to do all of this work for my blog. I mm-hmm. would make these gorgeous photos and I would spend a ton of time. And then all of those photos could be ordered in 5x6s and 4x7s or 4x6s and 5x7s and 8x10s mm-hmm. and small gift prints and they'd all go into the album and all the rest and none of that time was being compensated. Yeah. So I figure you know, it's it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So it's not really strong-arming anyone. It's it's me being compensated for my time. Sure. I, it's all it's spec work. Yep. You know, when they come in, if they don't buy anything, I'm out that time, but if they do, then I'm getting compensated for my for my artistry and my work. Yeah. So, there's no no one is strong arm, no one is arm twisted or anything. It's like, look guys, you can buy whatever you want. Again, there's no minimums, but if you want then people will say, "Well, we want it in a 4x6." Mhm. I'm sorry. It's not available in a 4x6. Yeah. You can get it at 16, 24 or larger. I love that. That's what this is about. That's it's true. about wall art.
1: Yeah and so that's your target Your your right. a wall art anything else is less attractive than creating big prints that are beautiful to hang on the wall exactly and that's what you drive that's great exactly. so what about yeah. business wise what about um at the wedding you know do you find yourself shooting multimedia doing video and that sort not of thing? not yet but i'm, I'm moving in that, that
3: direction for sure yeah in fact uh, that a uh, fellow that i was mentioning before has a strong video component to his business and it's, it's been really successful for him. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's something I'm really looking at. I'm starting to dabble with final cut. And Mm -hmm. I think what I'll do is I'll start um, with engagement videos, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, working with the couple um, and maybe showing those engagement videos at the wedding reception. You know, getting both the couples to do little interviews, separating sure. them and asking them interesting questions, and yep. kind of getting some humor going, Good. and maybe cutting in some of the images from the uh, from the engagement session potentially. Yeah, we'll see. But, so but yeah, I also kind of in that
1: experimental phase right now. Exactly. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I but
3: it's definitely a direction that I want to, that I want to go in. But I really want to nail the wedding and portrait thing before I start moving in other directions. There's a lot more mm-hmm. work that I can do. In this venue, before I, I, you know, move on to that. Absolutely. And one of the um, one of the other things I was going to say was um, another thing. Doing, I'm also doing slideshows at the Mm -hmm. um, at the weddings Mm -hmm. uh, day of Mm -hmm. of the images that I do during the day, and that's been really powerful.
1: Oh, okay. So you're so. You shot that morning, and you go through and do a quick select, and exactly. put them together for the reception, right? And
3: they're okay. processed. And, you know, I do all sorts of. You are you doing processes. that yourself, or are you I an am, assistant? Yeah, and I'll have my wow. assistant shoot. So while I'm, you know, while dinner is happening, I'm busy editing like a madman. Mm-hmm. Um, That's great. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, and I and they're projected. They're not on a laptop or anything mm-hmm. and I coordinate with the DJ. And of course the couple knows this is gonna happen, mm-hmm. so it's not like they're surprised. You have, do
1: you bring the you bring the projector and I the do. screen and all that stuff yeah. and set it all up and mm-hmm. wow. That's and
3: nice. I'll tell you, you know, you'd go from being another vendor to being, you know, a rock star. Yeah. People are blown away. And it works on many different fronts. From a marketing perspective, people love it. They come up to you. They want to book you. They mm-hmm. want to inquire about you know all sorts of different kinds of work: wedding portrait, senior work, etc. Yeah. Um, and it's, it has emotional impact. You know, people are still right there in the moment. Mm -hmm. So while the pictures are not online immediately, they get a taste and they know.
1: they know there's quality there. They know
3: there's quality there. The couple is relaxed because they're leaving for their honeymoon. They know you got the shots, Mm -hmm. you know, so they're really happy. Their investment has paid off. They know that they hired the right guy. Yeah. So it works on that front. What
1: What tool are you using to do the slideshow?
3: I'm using Lightroom okay. to do the slideshow. Oh, yeah.
1: really? You edit and then project it using the, the exactly. slideshow feature in Lightroom? Exactly. Oh, very cool.
3: That and a tool called RPG Keys. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are great. Uh, there are quick keys, essentially, for Lightroom. Very cool. That I are super look fast. Yeah, they're great. Uh, they allow you to assign presets and... Um, I think sixteen different presets that you and so I have. So you of just my, kind of
1: go through and <clears throat> exactly play a symphony of chords exactly. on the different images. Yeah, exactly, that's really. Cool. And I have
3: a little title slide for the couple and an exit slide with my branding and yeah. The, oh, that's cool. The, RPG keys. So I'll have to look into that. They're great. Yeah. Um, so what's what's uh, what's coming up next for Michael Corsetti? Lots of weddings and portraits, and I'm starting to do pets mm-hmm. and um, maternity and newborn, which has been oh, a nice wow. natural outgrowth of the wedding business. Yep. Um, so it's, it's all, you know, you busy. It's good. You're busy. You, good. You're good busy. So yeah. you're, you're,
1: you're shooting two weddings at least a weekend now,
3: huh? Yes and no. Sometimes one. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, but that's okay. Oh, are you busy yeah. every weekend? Uh, pretty much. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's great. You're doing well. That's yeah, awesome. It's okay.
3: It's good. One other thing I wanted to mention is another thing that I, that I started doing, um, you had asked me some of the different things is I used to be really kind of, um, very laid back about the engagement sessions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're in San Francisco, and it's kind of a laid-back town, and mm-hmm. I would say, you know what, you just, you know, wear whatever you want, it's okay, and, um, you know, we'll meet on the beach, or we'll do this, or whatever, and, and you, we can do it, you know, two months before the wedding, and mm-hmm. it's no problem. Mm-hmm. And I also completely revised that. So, now, the engagement sessions have to happen no less than six months prior to the wedding. mm and the reason for that is, and it's it's a complete six
1: months, right. wow. yeah. And it's a
3: complete no brainer. And I didn't I don't know why I didn't think of it before. Um, it's that you know people aren't going to spend money on pictures if the wedding is two months away. On engagement pictures, mm. they're thinking about the wedding. They're right. thinking about their wedding pictures. Yeah. They're thinking about all of the expenses that they're involved in at the moment for the sure. wedding. They're not thinking about engagement
1: pictures. It's like having a birthday in the month of December. Right. right. Exactly. You're never, never going to get exactly. to get presents anyway. <laughs>
3: right. Yeah. What a Jeff. Um And also now I tell people you have to dress up mm-hmm. because the pictures have to be special. People are not going to buy pictures of themselves in sneakers. Yeah. They're snapshots. not going to buy as many. Mm-hmm. You know, they're really not. They're not going to put wall portraits of themselves wearing sneakers and, and tattered jeans. Yeah it just it you know th- th- those pictures have to be special it has to be the whole thing has to have a special feeling about it yeah. it's a special portrait session to celebrate their love their engagement they need to dress up you make it a fashion kind of shoot you know, you pick locations that are going to really work. Then they come in for a special viewing. The whole thing has an aura and a yeah. mystique around it.
1: Do you do the same sort of flow for the for the engagement shoots as you do for the wedding with the I do. red carpet treatment I do. and special packaging and all that? So I do. The same flow, right?
3: Right. It's so okay. they're
1: used to it by the time they get it's, to do the wedding. It's training, yeah.
3: exactly. You really it's your expectations. The clients know mm-hmm. what to expect. So by the time they've come in after they've had their engagement red carpet, they know. Okay, this is the process. Next time out we're gonna be coming in and they're excited about it mm-hmm. I tell them bring your family you know and, yeah. and your friends and it's a big party
1: that's beautiful but product. they also
3: know they're gonna be there to order prints yeah you know and it, it works beautifully
1: very good training the client by Michael yeah. Well, Michael, thank you so much sure. for uh, for taking the time thank out of your you. day to chat with me. This is uh, this has been educational. I think I'm going to have to steal some of your techniques. There you go. My... No, this is really great. So where where can people find out more about you and, and check out your blog and all that stuff?
3: CorsentinoPhotography.com. That's C-O-R-S-E-N-T-I-N-O.
1: Yep. Or just Google. And, and
3: you can Google it. me.
1: Yeah, I'm you, all over Google. You know all about that SEO stuff. There you go. Cool. All right. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. That was Michael Corsentino. Uh, again, if you want to check out his work, head over to his blog. We'll link to it in the show notes. Or because he has such a unique name, just Google him, Michael Corsentino. And um, with that, what are we going to do next, Alex?
0: We're going to thank Squarespace. Yeah. Squarespace.com is a fast and easy way of course to publish your high-quality website or blog. Uh, you have an easy to use UI for creating and managing websites. You can optimize it's you know the thing is, is whether it's beginner it, whether it's whether you're a CSS expert. I I'm a beginner. I like, I don't really don't know how to do any of the code stuff and I spent a lot of the weekend working on our new Pixcore site. And um
1: What's up with the new site?
0: We're working on it. Oh, we we're, we're, we'll talk about it in, okay. a, in a week or two. <laughs> so there's a bunch like, of stuff. don't get me started. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, it's just that we're, we're re- we redesigned the pixel core. And uh, we're going to be rolling it out to listeners, whether it's, you know, triple listeners and everyone else. We'll have some coupon codes for everybody. We'll be sharing the love. And so, but it's really cool. I'm actually very excited about it, but I've been working on the new front end site. Mm -hmm. Um, And the front end site is all being done in Squarespace. And it's just great because I can sit there and make adjustments really, really quickly and change things and decide that the direction I was going is way the wrong way. I did more over the weekend than I would have done in three weeks of going back and forth with some coder and designer and everything else. Now, some of them were a lot of bad paths. Like I went down a lot of wrong wrong solutions as far as the design of the website and yeah. how it looks. Yep. But that would have taken weeks of going back and forth with the designers because it was an idea that I wanted to try. And so I went down all the stuff and I made it look really grungy. And then I decided I didn't like really grungy. And weeks and back. lots of money. Right? Yeah, would have, yeah. You know? It would have been and, and and as it was, it cost me some money to buy some iStock photos that I'm not going to use. But that's about it. And so it's just a, you know for me to be able to do that, who has no, I have no knowledge. Like literally, I look at the HTML and I and I start cutting things out, and it breaks it. You know, yeah, I, mean, it's it's like like, I have one phrase to say to you: "With great power comes, comes great, great responsibility. responsibility." I don't want to know. Yeah. I don't want to know. <laughs> don't be that guy. <laughs> and, and, and 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 what's great though is there are things that I go, oh, I really want. And it's not in Squarespace, and we have a guy who's. Uh, uh, Vince Bauer is great at doing, you know, fixing the CSS stuff that we need to, um, and doing some of the design work and everything else. And so, uh, Vincent and, and uh, and, and, Caroline, uh, do the kind of figure that stuff out for me. So, uh, they do really the heavy lifting. I just do the kind of, Oh, this is what I want it. So anyway, you can import and export, uh, to and from WordPress blogger, movable type, type pad, all of those things. You can have forums and photo galleries. Uh, you know, you can deal with permissions uh, and it's a cloud-based. So if you don't have to worry about whether your server is going to go down, yeah. you know, it's all somewhere else. And so, um, really, really great solution. Uh, you can go to uh, squarespace.com, of course, uh, slash TWIP. Uh, so go squarespace.com slash TWIP. You can sign up with no credit card. Um, you can just try building a website. If you want to make it yours, uh, you, you can get 10% off if you use the offer code TWIP, TWIP. And uh, definitely check it out. It's awesome. Squarespace.com.
1: Excellent. All right. I think we should jump into our picks of the week. And I'm anxious like to know what uh, what Steve Simon has lined up for us. Steve, what's your pick of the
2: okay, week? Okay, pick of the week. I tell you what, I I do have a pick of the week, <laughs> you know, and, and <laughs> He's uh, thinking fast. He's it's like, like, this mouse uh, on my desk. <laughs> no, I I, I got to tell you guys, um, you know, for this torch assignment, one of the things they wanted was um, uh, a shot of sort of a big prairie sky with the convoy of trucks that support the torch as it snakes its way across the country. So for the first time, I tried a, um, a graduated filter so I could darken the sky and maintain my exposure um, uh, below where the convoy actually was. So I ended up getting a, a Tiffin Digital HT which allows you to obviously adjust the degree of, um, diffu- uh, uh, of neutral density um, in the sky area. And it's the first time I've used one of these filters. I'm not a filter guy, but uh, it, it worked for the purpose uh, that, that I wanted it for. Here it is here. I don't know if you can see it. I don't know if you can see the graduated parts. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should hold it a little closer up to the camera You can't thing. really see can the graduated see
1: yeah. A little bit. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see Yeah, it yeah, yeah. But it Wait, actually put it, does Put it on turn. your forehead, <laughs> that's cool. Put it on your forehead. Like
2: most graduated filters. I mean, I know different people make it. I did a little bit of research, and I ended up buying this one. Yeah. Um, they have some that you can actually hold in front of the camera.
1: Nice.
2: For, you know, I know that HDR is in vogue, and it's fun to explore that. Uh, but if you don't want to use HDR and you want to kind of uh, condense your dynamic range and keep detail in the clouds and sky, Without using HDR, uh, this is one solution, and that is a graduated filter. And uh, this is a pretty high-quality one, uh, the Tiffin Digital HD. I think it's made here in the United States, too, which is something we don't often see with uh, optics. So there's my pick of the week in a crunch. It was right in front of me.
0: All right. Alex, Lindsay, what's your pick? Uh, My pick of the week, and I should have brought it in, but it stuck to the car. You know, I, I, I should have run out and gotten it. <laughs> what could this be? I know. <laughs> Roadkill. Is this like? A, yeah, yeah. a pedestrian? The week. Yeah, yeah. I, was like, I, I drug him all the way here. All right. So um, the uh, is the Delkin Devices DD Mount Suction Fat Gecko Double Knuckle Dual Suction Cups <laughs> Camera Mount. Bad marketing department. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh. Wait, wait. I gotta say that one more time because it was awesome. Okay. Here Product here we go. naming by committee. The Delkin Devices DD Mount Suction. Suction Fat Gecko Double Knuckle Dual Suction Cup Camera Mount. Wow. So here's the deal. Uh, All you have to know about this. You want to take a camera and you want to put it on the outside of your car or the inside of your car or the, you know, you want to articulate, you want a little articulated arm, mm-hmm. but you really want to know that it's going to stay on your car, you know, because it would really be oh, bad if it went gecko, on. Gecko,
1: it's got the gecko foot
0: stuff so, on it. No, no, right? it's just it's just suction cups, but yeah. it's got two suction cups that are independent. So you can kind of get on a curved surface or yeah. get on whatever, and, and they grab on like when when it is like you feel okay putting your camera on that and driving around town i've not put my slr on the outside of the car yet it's been raining yeah but i put it on the inside so what i did is i i did some um i should post these but i i did it with a i had a little i have a little jvc it's kind of like a flip but jvc makes it Mm -hmm. and uh so what i did is i I put it on the inside of my car window and it's got this articulating arm that you can kind of swing it up and turn it. and it turns out when you put the video camera in there you can you don't see anything you see, right over the top of the hood, you know, you can kind of—it's it, got a ball mount, so it's got an articulating arm and then a ball mount at the end, so you can kind of steer oh, your, cool. your camera camera. You can cinch that ball mount down, so that well, it's you, locked in place. Yeah, yeah. So you can cinch mm-hmm. both of them down, so you can kind of create the angle that you want with the arm. So mm-hmm. it's not just like sticking it straight to it, and it's surprisingly solid, hmm. and uh, it, it really well designed. Um, it's uh, it's seventy dollars, and um, nice. and it's just was well, ninety. You know, it's on Amazon at seventy dollars or whatever, uh, and um, I was. Yeah, I was really surprised at how well it worked, mm-hmm. and um, good for those car chase scenes that you want to shoot. Right? <laughs> exactly. Well, oh, oh, the, yeah. I wanted to, I, what the reason that I'm testing it is because when I'm driving through Africa um, in, in May, mm-hmm. uh, when I'm doing drives, what I want is I need B-roll to say, and, and then we were on our way to blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Or mm-hmm. now I'm going to the airport. Da, like da, a, da. Of giraffes and lions and everything stuff flying by. by. You know, yeah, like yeah, stuff yeah. going by and I just want to capture some video of that. Yeah. And I don't want yeah. it to be this big thing where I'm grabbing the camera and it's and it's super solid. Like it, mm-hmm. I was surprised I was hitting bounces. It's just bouncing with the car. I mean, it's not... For 70 bucks? For 70 bucks. You know what I worry no, I, about? Though. I was looking
2: for one of those things. Yeah. Are we going
0: to put it up? Uh, yeah, as we'll a put, link Yeah we'll put it up As a link
1: I'd worry about the About <laughs> the, the vibration though It seems like you need A gyroscope or something To counteract the vibration And that's what I thought
0: yeah. And you really don't? don't I was really surprised Now really? I'm sure that If I was off-roading I would yeah. Yeah, I would need a gyroscope yeah, It's going to be all over the place but, yeah. but for like Driving on the road And hitting a couple bumps Here and there I mean it goes up and down Like the car goes up and down But mm-hmm. it doesn't go it, I was expecting it to go You know And get all kinds of like so, Total seasickness Yeah that's what I thought It'd just be like And it's totally uh, it, It's totally st- solid it's And just- um, and and it's also really good for things like so. I wanted to shoot a picture, yeah. And I and and I, where I needed to put the camera was so close to the to a window that I couldn't get a tripod up to it. So I was in the house, and so what I did is I just suction cupped it to the window and hooked the camera Spider to that man. and took yeah. a picture. Very you know, cool. so having that, that extra little thing where I can just anything any flat surface that I'm near, mm-hmm. I can just literally suction cup a tri- I can turn it into a tripod. That's really cool. So um, you know the, the thing, You know, i I've, yeah.
2: I've had GPS devices where it's suction cupped and it's on strong. And then i'm driving and it just like falls off that worries me a little well you yeah know?
0: it it, it I, I haven't had the guts to take an slr and put it on like take a two thousand dollar camera and put it outside the car yet i am yeah. going to try it with like an hv20 or something but you're going like to do that. that in africa right no no, no I, you can do it because what i did is i set it up on the inside of my inside of my oh, windshield
1: see i'm thinking you're going to like Put that thing on oh, the corner definitely. of the hood. Oh, you I mean, know? I'm going to do that
0: too. Oh, well. you know, I mean, I'm going to have you know. When I go to Africa, I always take two cameras one mm-hmm. one that will either get stolen or broken, or and the other one that I have to, that that I will not let leave my sight. Oh, you know, that, sure. those are the two. The so one, there's yeah. there's a kind yep. of a stunt cam and a regular cam. But um, it's, it's purely a
2: suction cup, Alex. That that two suction cups to the window. It's two, two suction, suction cups, cups but, but it's
0: it's like it, it is like it's not just a. You know it is a yeah. you, you push it you push this little center thing yeah. and it gets yeah. stuck the way most of the things that you know and then you have this other handle that you pull oh. up and it just becomes uh, part of the way So you don't have to lick okay. it before you stick it on <laughs> No
2: uh, because that's my experience with these GPSs. they always pop off, you know and this one and this, this one has
0: been stuck to the inside of my windshield for a week and a half and, it's and it. shows right. no sign of one.: What's the name of
2: it again?: Yeah,
0: Alex? yeah now, now he's yeah. Delkin <laughs> It's the Delkin devices DD mount, suction fat gecko, double knuckle dual suction cup camera mount. Nice by Delkin All right, All right. my turn.
1: can I go? You can go My pick of the week is a certain workshop. Woo! That's going to be happening on the 19th of March. Self-promotion coming up so, right hey, here. This is a TWIP-sponsored event. This is a, the first Ooh. This Week in Photography Fred. workshop. The Ooh, first... Hey, this, this is an infomercial. Who's Put me on this? the camera. This is the first... <laughs> <laughs> the first This Week in uh, Photography workshop. Uh, myself and Joseph Linaski. But,
0: but what if... how Who are we going to get qualified to teach a class like this? Frederick
1: Van Johnson. <laughs> and Joseph Lanaski a.k.a... Travel Junkie, with an underscore, um, on uh, Twitter, we're going to be taking a crew of, or meeting a crew of 20 people, 20 only, that's all we have space for, um, down in Joshua Tree, nice. California, as you were talking about. And, uh, Take lots of water. We'll bring lots of toilet paper. just <laughs> And water. <laughs> and water. <laughs> water. But uh, it's going to be a really, check out twiplog.com, I mean, it's a, it's a really crazy insane event we're gonna have a good time um but check out twiplog.com the very first post up there right now has a link for you to to, uh join the event and and alex
0: is laughing at me (laughs) i was like just just, see i haven't posted i have not fred's been giving me a hard time (laughs) for not posting you didn't
1: even know this workshop was up there did you (laughs)
0: No, no no i was just when you said that when you said the first post i was like i'm just going to post like three things in the in the trip vlog just to make pretend <laughs> just to push it
1: down yeah. <laughs> but you could do that cuz it'll be on my blog too at frederickvan.com <laughs> and uh and amongst other places but go check it out would love your feedback on um what we've got up there as the content of this wor- this very first workshop we kind of threw the kitchen sink-, sink in there um because we want to, you know, we want to give people the opportunity to shoot scenics, shoot models. Uh, you know, we're going to be doing some macro type sub workshops. It's going to be a really good time, and we have catering and all that other stuff. So, high class, very fun event. Come hang out with us. Go check it out. That's my tip of the week or pick of the week. That's great. That's a pick. Twiplog. Excellent. Um, all right, we're coming to the end, the end of this fantastic journey. Journey. Steve Simon. Where can people go to find out more about you? Is it just Steve Simon on Twitter? Um,
2: uh, Yeah, slash Steve Simon, Twitter slash Steve Simon, if you can still hear me. And um, uh, my website, stevesimonphoto.com. Got a few workshops coming up in Morocco and Dubai. I'm really excited about that one at Golf Photo Plus. We
1: we go to Morocco and Dubai, not Joshua Tree. Listen. (laughs) <laughs> Very cool. You well, have, the, you, have you have information on on how to register for those on your site and all that?
2: Um, I think I do have a link. I I'm going to make sure it's updated. I just got back in town, but uh, Gulf Photo Plus, if you uh Google that, there's going to be a lot of people there and I'm really excited about uh about uh, going there and then uh for the Mentor Series workshop um in Morocco, which a place I've never been. Cool. So, sounds exciting.
1: Steve, I challenge you if when you go to Dubai, go to the top of the world's tallest building there that they just... I think they just I completed. Know. You have to get a shot from up there. Put your Absolutely. forehead up against the window. Yeah. Ooh. No, you can go out on the, some <laughs> kind of observation deck, I think. Nice. Yeah, it's, it,
2: it, I hear it's two and a half times the Empire State Building.
1: Yeah. And get up there. Don't come back without that shot.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I, I will. I'm going to be in Dubai. You are? For six hours.
1: Oh. Lay over? Oh. I'm going to lay over. Oh.
0: Sorry. Oh. So I'm, I'm uh, flying from next... next Next Friday, week from Friday. Oh, I'll be in. Uh, I'll be um, in Dubai for six hours, and then I'm on my way to the Seychelles. So that's the. Oh, nice. So the um, I go from uh, New York to the Dubai to the
1: Where can people find you? Just Alex Lindsay on the Twitters, right?
0: Come on the Twitter. Yeah,
1: everybody knows how to find you. Yeah. Alex Lindsay on Twitters. Yeah, um, a yeah. couple of housekeeping things. Um, again, make sure you check, check out our website, our blog at twiplog.com, dot Twip log. is hosted by Squarespace. Thank you Squarespace. Um, also check out our fan page on Facebook. We finally got that up thanks to John Riley and um, the folks over at Pixel core for making that possible. Um, and uh, if you're looking for me, you can find me on my blog at frederickvan.com com or on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Frederick van And I just want to give this shout out one of our listeners. One of our listeners out of New York City, I don't know if she wants me to say her name, but she goes by Yu Lee or Miss Yu on Twitter, uh, wants to say that she's thankful for today being MLK Day because she can watch me host this photography show. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off.